Welcome, everyone, to the People Solve Problems podcast. I'm Jamie Flinchball, your host, and uh, we're here to talk about people solving problems in all its different forms and formats. Uh, Today, we have as a guest, Elizabeth Swan. So welcome, Elizabeth. Thank you, Jamie. Nice to be here. I'm glad to have you. Um, So Elizabeth uh, enjoyed a a 30-year career, 30-plus year career, um, in the continuous improvement industry, which is you know awesome set of experiences to draw upon. She's a consultant. She's a coach. She's an instructor. She's got her own podcasts. Um, and she's recently published a book, uh, which is called Picture Yourself a Leader, Illustrated Micro Lessons for Navigating Change, which is a, a fun and inviting title. So why don't you start? Just tell me about the book, how the, how the book come about, what's it about? Um, love to, Jamie. So the book came in the middle of COVID or early on in COVID, actually. And, you know, like a lot of us, right, we were benched. You know, there was no traveling to clients. And I had some time and I thought, well, it would be nice to sort of capture some of the things I've learned in these oh so many decades uh, in the problem solving world. So I would just take one issue, one thing that happened, what I got out of it. And then I wanted to hear what other people had learned about that particular issue. So I put questions out on LinkedIn. So I wrote the post and I put the question out. And then because I was, I, I have an art background. It wasn't like, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I would never have thought of myself as an artist, but I always doodled. And uh, a mutual colleague, Karen Ross, was like, well, put some drawings in there. So <laughs> so I just started trying to capture the issue in a drawing, kind of a combination of a cartoon and uh, a, a line drawing. And, and then people responded, like yourself, right? So I'd get these great conversations. Uh, and, you know, I start doing that every Tuesday and about... 30 so or posts in, uh, people started saying, well, it'd be great if these were all in one place. So I thought, oh, okay, I, I, I've heard of the format blog to book. So I think you just put your blogs together and they form a book, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Voila, you, you stack them end to end and, and out they go. And then when I started the process, I realized, ah, this is actually involves some choices. This involves some continuity. This involves... Uh, figuring out what are the different categories of things I've written about. And this involves, I really love the voices of the crowd, right? People like you who just gave their experiences, gave tips how they dealt with a particular issue. So I curated those voices into, you know, three quotes that I felt captured maybe a, a, a book, a technique, an experience, and created a wisdom of the crowd section. So these micro lessons are, that initial, you know, probably not that initial. Everything's been, as you know, you're an author, Jamie, you know how much work a right. book is, right? So you rework, rework, rework. Um, yeah, so it's these uh, these stories with the illustration, the questions, the crowd, and then reflections on having taken all of that in, right? And and reflected on the past. And then questions for the reader. Like, you know, what what would you see if this is an issue for you, what could you experiment with, basically? So using PDSA again, uh, using experimentation, problem solving uh, in that same guise. Yeah, it was fun. Awesome. That's I'm not an artist, so um, I you know commend you on on putting yourself out there like that. And um, 
and and then you know going all the way to a, to a book which is pretty cool so you know you you've you, you wrote the book in a collaborative nature um uh your podcast is you know has a co-host so you naturally collaborate there so let me let me take that collaboration theme into into problem solving um so how how do you think about collaboration and just the the inclusion of others in in the the basic problem solving process so as you can tell i am a huge collaborator i'm very comfortable uh asking people to join in so that is always my approach it's always to reach out i'm just thinking yesterday i was drafting up a pitch to do something and I knew like two people that don't think the same way I do. And I separately sent it to each of them saying, what do you think? They had very different things to say. And I sort of gleaned what was helpful from both of them. So personally, I constantly take that um, inclusion road. When I'm working and coaching other people, I always try to encourage them to think about if they were including people, who would it be? You know, like, and going to where the work happens. I said, go watch, go watch is who's doing parts that you're not doing, you know, sort of open your eyes to who you could include. I often feel that people uh, take things on. There's that, uh, I think unintentional mostly, but it's mm -hmm. not just trying to be a hero. It's trying to take the burden of problem solving on themselves and not, you know, burden others. And instead they're missing an opportunity. So just trying to encourage people, remember other people want to know. They, they could be interested and you'll find out, right? You could ask. And if they're interested, they'll they'll join you. And if not, you know, ask another person. Yeah, we, we often criticize people for not including others as an act of control, uh, a negative trait. But as, as you kind of pointed out, it often is, you know, out of good intentions, right? I'm going to just take this burden on so you're not burdened. And, and I, you know, it's good intentions, right? Just maybe not the best outcome. I, I really liked, you know, not just inclusion for inclusion's sake, but who would it be? If you included people in the process, who would it be? Just by asking that, it forces people to, to just do a little rigor, rigorous thinking about why you would include them. And I think that probably makes you include them in a better way, right? So it's not just, oh, I've, I've asked others, I've included people. It's like, why are these people included? Just just you asking that question in that way, I think, is, is a useful frame because it it gets people to think about, well, what are they bringing to the table? And to think about that before they start. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, you mentioned your art background. You've created this book in a in a creative way. Right. Both the strategy as well as the content. Um, so, you know, creativity mostly shows up in problem solving and in. What I like to call ideation often is called brainstorming. I, I just a little side note is I, I tend not to use the word brainstorming just because many people have had bad experiences with that word, yeah. even if it's not the word or the intent of the word, but the outcome or the practice. But so, you know, how do you approach ideation uh, for yourself, for a team you're coaching or, or leading? How do you think about that step in the process? This is such a great question. And I love that you acknowledge that brainstorming is a tough word and that I, like you, try to avoid it. And what I learned was, and I think like, I don't know, a few decades back when I would be in class teaching a Greenbelt workshop and there would always be a section where now we're teaching the improved phase of Demaic, right? The Six Sigma method. And we would have 
analogy as a method of think of an analogous situation. What would the issue look like? What would the solutions look like? And then bring them back or anti-solution, which was fun because she said, what's the brainstorm, the opposite of this, uh, you know, solution. And, and then that was funny and it got people rolling, but I realized they never, it was never like uh, amazing ideas that came up and it was, I would check occasionally because I, some clients I had for decades. So I was like, you know, do you ever use those? And they're like, not really. <laughs> so I was like, why am I teaching these? I'm not seeing much. So they're sort of lackluster in the workshop and they're, they're, and they're not being picked up. So then one of the questions I asked um, during that was, I asked people, where do you get your best ideas? And they would always, you know, you can probably fill the blank in too. Be like, oh, in the shower, when I'm walking the dog, when I'm driving home, uh, middle of the night, I wake up and all kinds of activities. A lot of it was activity, right? Some rote activity where you're washing the dishes, you're doing something you know how to do. A, you could do it in your sleep. Sometimes just driving home, which people, you know, you drive in your driveway and you don't even realize the last 10 minutes, you know, where you were. So I found out that uh, I think it's Neil Herman did the research on what happens with different brain waves mm -hmm. and where you'd think you have them, I think are in alpha waves where you're in conversation and you're engaged and you're maybe you're brainstorming, you know, quote unquote. And then where your best idea flow comes in was is theta waves. And those are during those moments of rote activity or those moments as you drift off to sleep or as you wake up, you know, when you suddenly, I have a, you know, pad next to the bedside. I know that's going to happen. So I know I'll, I'll grab stuff then. So given that, if no one said in my cubicle, no one said in the conference room, nobody said it work at all. So then I'm really mindful of putting out what I would call a how can we question and encouraging problem solvers to do this. Put it out there, let people Give them a night, give them some time, let them go engage in rote activities and come back and then, you know, do the whole uh, converge, diverge, you know, like mm -hmm. see where you go with some of what came up. But you're going to come up with a better quality of idea if you let people have those moments of theta idea flow. That's 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 great. Really useful. It's I, I think the choice, you know, in that process where you you are in control of sort of the team's process right where you where you get the ability to make that decision of i'm going to give you some overnight time to to soak on it a lot of times i see people really try to force it right they try to yes. inject some creativity processes or you know some some you know just just sort of force the creativity into the process but you know everybody works a little differently right mm. and and so allowing for that um you know, whatever's going to work best for you, you don't even have to plan it. We're just going to allow. It, right? um, and, and I think there's, a, you know, whether it's problem solving, I also think in decision making, which to me is just a form of problem solving. Like I have a rule that mm -hmm. I do my best to impose on boards of directors that I am a part of, which is never make an important decision in one meeting. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. You know, even if you need a, a meeting like two days in a row because you have to make it fast, do that, right? Um, don't don't just try to make an important new decision that you haven't thought about, haven't presented, and make the decision all at once because you you miss that opportunity to let your your brain waves interact with the problem in, in an interesting way. So, 
That's an awesome rule. I'm going to adopt that. That's really smart because I think it allows for that thinking, you know, you, you, because you do some absorption, your brain does some, you know, coalescing of what it's learned as you overnight, you know? So I think that involves all kinds of uh, taking advantage of our cognitive norms, which is great. Yeah. It also breaks the momentum, right? So if you're, if you start the conversation one place and then the momentum takes you down a path, like, that might be a good path, it might not, but at least yeah. it breaks that momentum and you get to sort of reset it and, and at least explore where else it might take you. So, yeah. so, uh, you, so you talked about your role sort of as a facilitator and a coach and, and you know, one of the, one of the most uh, interesting challenges I see as I work with leaders is they're not always very conscious about their role in it. Um, should they own the problem? Should they delegate it? Should they coach it? Should they facilitate it? And, and, it really, it doesn't matter whether we're an individual contributor, a leader, an executive, uh, a coach and, and, and consultant. Like, you still have to face that question. What what do you want your role to be or what should, should your role to be? So, yeah. So how do you think about role clarity in, in problem solving? That's also a great question. I have like kind of a personal experience on this one, but then a really compelling client experience. Um, I worked with Starwood Hotels and Resorts, and then Marriott after they bought them for decades mm-hmm. and was part of the group and did a lot of the initial direction, you know, rollout for, at the time, Six Sigma with Starwood starting in 99. And one of the biggest projects we ever did was called Be Safe early on. And it was looking at workplace injury workman's comp, you know, how long people had to be off the job. And one of the big kind of changes and um, and this impacted people's role in problem solving that came down was, if you see a spill, clean it up, get it cleaned up, make sure it's clean. It doesn't matter what your role is. It doesn't matter who you are in the food chain. It doesn't matter what part of the hotel you're in, back of the house, front of the house, because people, you know, people are in different areas. And I was talking to um, my uh, Sally Toyster, who was both at Starwood, and then she ended up over at Marriott in, in, in charge of operational excellence. And she was describing, now they had combined teams, right? It was both uh, Marriott and mm-hmm. Starwood, and she's got them, I don't know, she's doing like a 5S in the hotel gym, uh, which, you know, hotel people don't normally go to, right? That's for right. guests. And somebody from the uh, Marriott side um, was stepping on a box to clean behind the television set that was mounted on the wall. And all the Starwood folks said, no, 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 you can't step on a box. You can't step on a box. You got to step on a step stool, whatever. And they ran to get something appropriate. And she was amazed that 20 years later, right, this is decades after this project, that that was still part of the um, culture. Mm-hmm. And then the Marriott leadership were asking her, why are the numbers on workman's comp and um, workplace injury timeout all lower at the Starwood properties? And it was just like, wow, what an, what an incredible impact that decision about your role in problem solving had. So that's like kind of a big scale one that I just think I really find that fascinating. Yeah, no, that's, and, and, and I think this is a challenge that a lot of organizations face is that they, 
they think about roles based on job titles as opposed to roles based on events, right? And that's an example of, you know, a, a job title agnostic role, right? A customer has a problem. My job is to help them. There's a safety issue. My job is to step, step in and intervene, right? That's event-driven roles. And a lot, a lot of people want to tie it back to a job title. And sometimes that's not only not useful, it's sometimes inappropriate, right? Um, and, and so I, I think that's it's a really helpful frame. Um, I'm a lifelong Marriott. Uh, actually, I'm, I'm titanium for life, I think. Um, which oh, is, yeah. I don't like to brag about those because that, that was a painful thing to earn. But um, we, we can brag together, Jamie. We both painfully earned titanium. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, all my status uh, uh, has, has come in the way of, you know, blood, sweat and literally tears. So uh, um, with experiences. But I, I, I love that story, right, because it really does illuminate the the your role is you are there right and your interaction with the moment is what matters not yeah. nothing to do with your job title yeah uh, in that regard so yeah so you know with with those experiences right so that would be an example of perhaps a, a blind spot uh that that marriott had that you know starwood helped illuminate right in that particular case so um but but as a consultant, you, you get to come in from the outside. Um, certainly that always makes it easier to see what people are missing, right? Um, uh, their own blind spots, uh, uh, what just what they just they're not aware of uh, of what they're missing. Um, and, and so just I'd like your perspective on how do you how do I identify blind spots? How do you help uh, uh, you know, surface them, communicate them, elevate them, uh, wh whether it's within problem solving or just you know, broader in your engagements? So one of the things that helps is just to get one-on-one -on -one time with people and get their take. And then you kind of get the what's happening in the unspoken world. There's what people are going to say in meetings, what they feel safe discussing, and then you get kind of the undiscussed stuff. So sussing that out usually tells me where the blind spots are, that people aren't acknowledging what's not being acknowledged, what's not being surfaced, and what will eventually hurt the group and, and prevent them from problem solving. So that is helpful. And then, you know, finding ways to uh, address it in, and usually it takes a couple of layers before you can get it into um, a full group. I had a colleague who would err on the side of like, well, he'd interview everyone uh, on the outside uh, uh, solo and then put them in a fishbowl. <laughs> and have people just like, all right, let's throw the, throw the bomb in there. Like, here's the tough topic, you know, and then you can swap in and out, you know, who wants to address it now. And then you come out, but you're watching it and everybody's agreed to do it, right? You get agreement on doing that. But not all cultures can handle that kind of um, sort of uh, shock um, problem solving. But yeah, I find that those individual conversations help me. Yeah, I think that's that's right. It helps get to the, you know, again, to what you said, that what's not being said, what's not being communicated and and helps shine a spotlight on it. So, so you know, then as an outsider, you can help help shine that light and and maybe rearticulate it in a way that's that's helpful because often those those 
those conversations aren't the most uh, constructive ways in which they're said. <laughs> um, so then how do I take all of that, that sort of wisdom and, and what people are seeing and turn it into something useful? Um, and, and so, uh, yeah, I remember this goes back a long ways, but when I was actually inside uh, DT Energy, uh, I, was, I was part of a transformation team and we did a bunch of interviews all throughout the company, basically to produce this big report. Here's where we are. <laughs> um, and and what, what we found was that uh, uh, the, the executives said, these are the top 10 issues in the, in the organization, but the employees don't see it. The employees said, these are the top 10 issues in the organization. The executives don't see it. And it was the same list. <laughs> so, so everybody saw it, just nobody was talking about it. And so we hopefully, you know, with that, I can't even remember what was on the list. It was, like I said, it was 25 years ago, but, but just at least it makes everybody aware, oh, you know what? We do see it, right? Everybody does see it. Now we can maybe start to work on it. So, um, so I really appreciate you joining, talking about, you know, problem solving and your take. Again, uh, you have, you have a, a, a very people oriented view on problem solving, um, you know, not tool first, not even problem first, right? But people first uh, kind of mindset. So I, I, I appreciate that. Um, and, uh, you know, if people, uh, uh, we'll put, be sure to put a link in the, in the show notes, but, you know, the, the book is Picture Yourself a Leader, Illustrated Micro Lessons for Navigating Change. Uh, for those watching <laughs> on video, there's a, there's a picture of it. Um, uh, and uh, uh, really thank you for coming on and being part of the People Solve Problems podcast. Always a pleasure to talk to you, Jamie. Thanks for having me on. Great. Be well. Thanks for listening to the People Solve Problems podcast. Let's keep the conversation going. Visit jflinch.com for more episodes and other content. And continue to join us on your podcast app, of course. We greatly appreciate your feedback through reviews and ratings. Consider expanding your understanding of problem solving with Jamie's book, People Solve Problems, The Power of Every Person, Every Day, Every Problem. Available on Amazon. Until next time, keep learning, innovating, and solving problems.